Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed, Play, Love. Today we are joined by paediatric nurse and sleep consultant, Jo Ryan. And Joe is here to help you with whatever questions you might have. You've got a number of ways you can ask your questions on Helpline. Today, if you're joining us live on Facebook... You can pop your questions below. And if you're listening via the podcast, the best way is to email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Hello, Joe. How are you? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. Nice and warm in not-so-sunny Melbourne. It's very cold and overcast Melbourne day today. It's a nice time to be inside. <laughs> well, let's start on some of the questions we have. The first one we have is from Michelle. She says, my eldest will be three in October. And for the last couple of months, he has begun really pushing back on all the boundaries, as well as ask a million why questions. The behavior we are most unhappy with is screaming and hitting or screaming and kicking. Both of these are done in anger and cause his nine-month-old brother to cry. I know in theory that as parents we are to remain calm, but these actions of our sons in particular make Hubby and I get even more upset and impatient. What kind of discipline strategies or consequences should we be using to deter this behaviour? I feel like we've tried everything, role-playing when we're all calm, explaining threats of consequence and actioning these, taking him to a different area to calm down, removing what he was screaming for, etc., and know that us getting upset is only is making my son's tantrums worse. In case it helps the above, he also seems to be transitioning out of his day nap. Some days he takes it, some days he doesn't. He is usually a good sleeper, but has now been either resisting bedtime or nap time, or waking at night or waking too early, etc. His usual weekly routine is daycare Monday to Wednesday, home Thursday to Sunday. He wakes around 6 or 7, his nap is around 12.30 or 1.00. And it's one and a half hours most days, but sometimes only 45 minutes to an hour, uh, in bed by 7.30, although we've started trialling 8pm in case he needs more awake time. He eats well for all meals and snacks and has a cup of milk before each sleep and when he wakes in the morning. So any advice on that? Um, yeah, well, it's really very common. So, uh, uh, you know, firstly, I would say don't think that there's something unusual about him you know three-year-olds and two-year-olds are really designed to assert their independence that's where they are developmentally and brain development wise so um and you know his way of um you know tantrums or screaming is he's expressing his dislike or you know his feeling and remember that toddlers can't express themselves like they can't they don't understand feelings and they're overwhelmed by them. So often they will respond sort of in a way that for us like a negative response like screaming or crying or saying no. Um, it also sounds to me like he's probably a bit tired if he's transitioning out of, you know, to dropping his day nap. So instead of um, putting him down later in the evening, I would actually be trying to put him down a bit earlier because remember that we need them to get a really beautiful night's sleep and they get the deepest sleep of the night in the evening period. So you don't want to kind of shorten that period of the night. Um, but, look, it sounds like she's doing all the right things in terms of, um, you know, dealing with this behaviour. I guess it's just understanding it and just being able to kind of live with it a bit more. Sort of, I, I wouldn't be punishing or sort of, you know, that sort of thing because often he, you know, they don't have control of what they're doing and it's his 
and so for us it's about saying okay I can see my little person is in distress they're not able to work out whatever it is that they're trying to work out and maybe I, I can help them so how can I help them and also just sort of naming the um the emotion like I can see you're angry I can see you're distressed I can see you because they don't know those words they don't associate those words with what they're feeling and often they can't do that till they're quite a bit older but just being able to say that and repeat and repeat and repeat and obviously if there's behavior that's unacceptable you know you know there there is a consequence for that like you know I don't like you hitting your brother or we don't that's not acceptable behavior so you remove that from um, him or you move him away from that but I guess just kind of supporting him through it understanding that he's upset but also reinforcing that that's not what we do when we're upset, you know, um, this is what we do or come and, uh, you know, and give him a hug and rather than kind of alienating them or timing them out or moving them away, it's better to take them in and kind of just reassure him that you understand him and you can see that he's upset. But, no, you can't have that right now, you know, and I understand that's upsetting to you but that's, you know, that's the way it is now. And, you know, he will grow out of it. It is a very trying time, though, but very, very trying. And oh, yes. Paying your patience is hard. So if you do lose it occasionally, don't beat yourself up about it. That's normal behaviour as well. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Okay, our next question comes from Stanley on Facebook. My toddler isn't talking as much. As much, She understands words but can't manage to put sentences together. What do you suggest? Well, uh, I don't know how old they are, a toddler, so it could be any age. Um, I mean, you know, language is something that comes, you know, at different speeds for different children as well. So, um, and often if she's like part of a large family, you know, it's, it, often they don't need feel, feel the need to speak or they don't need to speak because everyone's speaking for them on their behalf. And some children just take a little bit longer for it to um, sort of all, you know, click into place. I mean, um, there are certain things that measures like, you know, um, that you can say by this age they should have this many words. Um, and, you know, I would suggest if you're concerned that I would speak to your GP, you know, about that and perhaps get a referral to see a speech pathologist or someone just so that they, you know, can get her assessed. But, it, you know, again, um, I... I wouldn't, you know, I sort of don't like to medicalise a lot of this stuff because I think that often it's just your child. Everyone, they're all different and unique and, you know, if, if everything's going along and, and, you know, she's okay and she's understanding and she's not, you know, not saying anything, you know, I would sort of try to just see how many words she's saying and as long as she's saying some things, you know. But sentences not, right, because I, I don't. My kids, two and three-year-olds, they weren't. No, they didn't have full sentences. sentences together. You know, particularly no more than two or three words. You know, mm. till they're quite a bit older. So, um, yeah, probably what will happen, Stanley, is you'll be saying she's not stringing sentences together, and before you know it, she won't shut up, and you'll be like, "Why is I worried?" I <laughs> That's true. That's true. But good luck. I'm sure they're fine. But like, as Joe said, if you're worried. Just get it checked with your GP, but it's very normal. 
very normal. Yeah, and they never, never stop talking. Um, <laughs> speaking from my own experience, um, this is a question from Michelle who sent a question to our Facebook. She says, hi, Joe. I have a little 10-week-old who will not sleep. Two issues. One, she hates being put down or in her bassinet. Two, she has a very short sleep cycle. How can I get her to stay in her bassinet? We have tried everything. On the off chance that we do get her to fall asleep in there, the moment she wakes up after 20 minutes, there is nothing we can do to get her to settle back down in there and end up having to pick her up. Even in our arms, she rouses after that time and is hard to get back to sleep. My first two were not like this. That's from Michelle. So, uh, okay, so there's a few things that you can look at. Um, Ten weeks, so that's right in the middle of the catnapping sort of phase, which usually starts around eight to ten weeks. So they start to shorten their naps, and that's just a natural developmental thing. Um, Getting her to fall asleep in her cot, obviously if she's very used to falling asleep in your arms and she's not going to want to do that because, I mean, who doesn't want to fall asleep in their, you know, someone's arms when they're a tiny baby all wrapped up nice and cuddly. But... um, also look at how long she's been awake for because if babies are too tired when they go down, they definitely won't want to do it on their own and they will shorten their nap. So at 10 weeks, I would really only be keeping her up for an hour to an hour and a half maximum, um, particularly the first one of the day, an hour, and then maybe pushing it out to an hour and a half for the rest of the day. But I would work on just getting her to fall asleep in the cot, you know, even if she then wakes after 20 minutes and you have to pick her up and put her back to sleep in your arms. I would work on the falling asleep in the cot because then once the developmental kind of catnapping phase passes, at least that might start to um, click it more into place and then she should maybe elongate her naps naturally. Um, But that's what I sort of tend to say to people to focus on. You can certainly try to resettle after that 20 to 30 minute nap in the cot. But if you have to pick her up, you know, 20 minute naps are not long enough, you know, so she needs to have a little bit longer. So whether that's in your arms, if that's what you have to do, then that's okay. But like I say, really work on getting her to fall asleep in the cot and make sure she's not too overtired when she goes down, make sure she's got a nice full tummy of milk, that she's had a burp. Um, Yeah, and all those lovely things and keep the environment as conducive to sleep as you can. Good luck with that, Stanley. Oh, sorry, who was that? Michelle. Um, good luck, Michelle. <laughs> uh, we have a question from Stevie on Facebook. My two and a half year old and five year old don't sleep past four thirty or five thirty a.m. Do you have any recommendations on how to get them to sleep better? Also, both are coming in my bed during the night and both wiggle and are restless all night. Help! I imagine Stevie is not getting much sleep. No, poor Stevie. Yeah, look, four thirty way too early 5 30 is kind of acceptable I think some young children that's just their natural wake time and it might even be five particularly boys I find are more prone to being early morning risers that's just the way they are Um, but as long as they're going to bed and they're sleeping that whole night through which it sounds like is not happening in Stevie's household so I think the thing is make sure they're going to bed not too late because when they're overtired again they tend to wake during the night make sure they're going to bed around seven and asleep about seven-ish, um, that they're falling asleep on their own without you in the room with them because if they, if you're in the room with them, they expect you to be there every time their little eyes flick open and if you're not there, they'll wake right up and call out for you. Um, uh, and then when they do wake, maybe you go to them and settle them for a couple of nights, you know, rather than bring them into you 
because, you know, maybe you just need to reestablish that whole pattern that there is no reward for waking, there is no getting into mummy's bed and then often that will set up, they'll stop waking because they're like, oh, well, what's the point? But it is a hard, you do have to do it for a couple of nights and try to, you know, change that routine around the wake so that they don't expect to get into your bed because if they do, they will just keep waking because who doesn't want to get into mummy and daddy's bed, you know. What are your thoughts on reward charts? Because I I have an eight-year-old who um, responds well (laughs) to reward charts when it comes to sleep. Reward charts are great. Um, And when we talk about reward, I sort of think like maybe just a star or a sticker or something, nothing sort of, you know, um, sort of materialistic, I guess. Uh, You can have a big reward at the end, you know, and often I encourage that to be more an experience, like let's go to the zoo or let's ride on a ferry or let's do something like that. But I think for young children, two and a half and three and a half, the three and a half year old, it might work better, but the two and a half year old just would not get it. Yeah, they'd be like, don't care. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good luck, Stevie. This is an email from Rachel. I would love any suggestions regarding my 16-month-old boy-girl twins and their day sleep, which has gone very pear-shaped. The issue is that mostly they are not getting two hours in, and I feel this would be the minimum they should have at this age. Question mark. The routine is as follows. The girl usually wakes around 6.15, but we never get the twins out of bed until 7. The boy stays asleep, however. My oldest three-year-old wakes every time. My partner and I have to both get up and shower ready for work so we cannot get them up earlier than 7. They have breakfast when they wake, then a snack at 9, lunch 11, 11.30, nap around 12. 15, they're usually uh, asleep by 12.30 and they self-settle. The girl always wakes at 1.30 and doesn't resettle. We try to keep her in bed till 2 so she's synced with with the boy and so we can encourage more sleep, but she never resettles. Sometimes the boy wakes up at 1.40 or 10 to 2 and doesn't resettle. They both apparently do two hours at daycare and they will often wake him on our request at two hours. So the boy must love sleep. (laughs) We found if he sleeps past two hours, he's up having a party around 3 to 4 a.m. Then they have afternoon tea around 3, dinner 5, 5.30, bath 6, bed 7. Sometimes they settle within 15 minutes at night. Sometimes they need a pat and their comforters thrown back in their cot. Unless they are unwell or teething, they usually sleep through. Would love any suggestions as to how to extend that day sleep. One hour doesn't seem long enough. Yeah, look, it, it's probably not. But, like, again, you're trying to – it's very hard with twins, particularly boy-girl twins because they're very different and their brains work differently and they require probably different amounts of sleep. So trying to keep them on exactly the same routine can be difficult. Um, the fact that she's waking earlier too, I would suggest that perhaps by 12 she's a bit more tired than than he is. Um, and so maybe that's why she's shortening her nap a little because she's going down a bit too tired. But it's hard to know because maybe that's all she does need, you know, um, particularly if she's sleeping through the night, you know, she's going to bed at a good hour, 7 o'clock, sleep by 7-ish. That's really great. Um, you know, the only thing I would suggest is you could try bringing bedtime a little bit earlier, but then you'd have to bring both their bedtime earlier, uh, I mean, nap time in the day a bit earlier, then you'd have to move both of their 
nap times a bit earlier. It'd be interesting to know what time they go down at daycare, whether that's kind of in sync to what they're doing at home. But remember, daycare is very, uh, you know, exhausting. There's a lot of activities, so they're often quite, um, quite exhausted when they go down. But, you know, that, it's really common for children to sleep differently at childcare than they do at home. They often sleep worse at home than they do at childcare. You know, um, that's just the way it is. But, um, you know, the other things, make sure she's got a nice big full tummy, that she's having maybe some food before she goes down, if that's what's happening at childcare as well. Um, but otherwise, I mean, there's not a lot. It sounds like the routine's pretty good. You know, there's not a lot else you could do. And maybe that's just it for her for the time being. And if she stays in her cot and she's happy to do that, then, you know, I probably wouldn't worry too much. Sorry, I wish there was a miracle kind of cure. but Oh, no, I think the sleeping through at night is a brilliant start. I mean, not to make light of that. Yeah, I think she must be doing really well to have set it up like that. Well, good luck anyway, um, Rachel, and I hope that helps. I mean, if what I guess basically in answer to your question, one hour doesn't seem long enough. I guess really what you're saying, Joe, is that sometimes with some babies it is. So maybe look at the um, at her behaviour around that sleep time. Totally. Like, is she okay for the rest of the afternoon? Is she? Does she get tired and cranky earlier? Um, you know, and if so, then maybe I would. Maybe you could put her down maybe 15 minutes before you know your son and see if that makes any difference. Um, you know, I mean, at the, for the daytime nap, you know, but if you can do that, see, then that that's tricky as well. Joe, our next question comes from Kristen on Facebook. She says, my 10-month-old wakes at 3 a.m. for resettling, then up at 5 a.m. He will not resettle. My two-and-a-half-year-old now wakes around 6.30 because his brother is up. The youngest is still in our room because of this. I can't let the youngest cry it out because he wakes everyone. So I guess they're saying what to do with a 10-month-old that gets up so early. So I'd be interested to know, is she feeding at three um, uh, or what's she doing at three when he wakes? Um, uh, uh, so if you can pop that in, that would be... Yeah, otherwise I would say maybe give him a feed at five, you know, and see if that gets him back to sleep, you know, rather than feeding earlier. So resettle at three which might take a while for a couple of nights, but then hopefully he'll get into the habit of just sleeping through till five-ish, even if it's 4.30, then I would feed at that time and that might help with those early morning wakes. Um, generally by 10 months, you know, he, shouldn't, he may not need the feed at all. So you could try dropping that, but then that might cause the 5 a.m. wakes anyway. So um, it's hard. It's a hard early morning wake. That's why I tend to like to do the feed around 4.35 if you can, um, just because they'll have a big full feed and often they'll go back to sleep and they'll just get through that kind of, it's a very wakeful time of the night. They're in a very wakeful period of their sleep cycles. So, um, but if you can do a big feed and then get them back to sleep, often that will help with that period and he might go through till 6 or 6.30, which would be brilliant. Mm. A lot of early mornings today, isn't there? <laughs> and it's hard because it's winter. I think everyone's probably like, oh, I can't face it's it. so tough. Oh, look, I couldn't handle it in summer either. But <laughs> you're right. Winter does not make it easier. 
This question comes from Liv. She says, my bub will be eight months in one week. We've read all your books, Joe, and attempting to follow your principles. We've had lots of setbacks, though, as the bub has silent reflux. Is it okay to give bub a dummy for naps, but not nighttime, or is this confusing? We offer for naps, as he generally manages to keep the dummy in his mouth, and it's the only way we've ever managed more than one sleep cycle without the movement of the pram, etc. Whereas I thought the dummy overnight would be a sleep aid, which he still isn't able to control. Okay, so look, babies with reflux... um, excuse me, often um, like the dummy. The dummy can actually be helpful because they're kind of swallowing more often. So it keeps things down. So, look, I think if a dummy, if you're using the dummy for the naps and it's helping, then I I don't think it's a problem. Uh, Overnight, yeah, I try to avoid it if you can, you know, um, because at this age often it will fall out and they will wait, cause them to wake up and they can't, they don't have the kind of dexterity to find it and put it back in their mouth yet. But um, I don't think it's a problem at this stage. If, if it's not causing any problems, then I think it's fine. Okay. And, in fact, it might be helpful. Yeah. Rachel from the Helpline Group says, Hi, Siobhan and Joe. My daughter is nearly two and a half. She's always been a wonderful night sleeper but has resi- resisted naps unless we're driving, basically since she was a few months old. She transitioned to a toddler bed at about two years after getting frustrated in the cot because she likes to sleep with her arms spread and the cot wasn't wide enough. <laughs> That's so cute. Our, now- our nighttime routine is dinner, bath, books, then bed. We had the routine down at 7, 7.30, pushing out to 8pm. But for the last few months, she's taking up to two hours to fall asleep, which means she's falling asleep after 9 and sometimes as late as 9.30, 10. She sleeps through until 7.30, 8.30am. She seems to get active after the bath and she wastes time playing, hiding, putting toys to sleep, tidying or reading an inordinate number of books. I often can't get her to sit down to read, so I read to myself until she joins me. I try to limit it to two books, but some nights cutting her off leads to hysterical tantrums, which I feel is counterproductive. Other than that, she's generally calm. She just seems not ready to go to sleep. My husband and I swap out as needed and depending on how she is responding to us. We stay with her in the room until she falls asleep. We've experimented with dropping naps on weekends with some success as she falls asleep within the hour, usually before 8pm and sleeps through until 7.30. She's at daycare five days a week where she naps for about 40 to 90 minutes from 12.30. We tried reintroducing the cot, but she kept waking herself from hitting the sides. We've got our second baby during August, so it's not really viable to be taking upwards of two hours to get her to sleep. I don't get home until 6, 6.30, so bringing the routine forward is not really an option. Any suggestions for how we can tighten the routine would be helpful. Okay, so I would look at the day nap, okay? So I would only I would cap it at maybe 45 minutes, so don't let her have more than that because um, it sounds like on the weekend where they said they've experimented with not doing a day nap and she's going to bed earlier. And some baby or toddlers just don't need it. They're ready to drop it. I know it's it sort of sounds like, oh, my God, you know, I need to have that nap, but let her have just 45 minutes, okay? Um I would also start to set up the night routine slightly differently so that you're not staying in the room with her because that just creates a whole, you know, let's do this, mummy, let's do that, daddy, you know, and it sort of becomes a bit of a playtime. So 
And she's going to be resistant at first, obviously. But if you just set it up. So I like to, with this age children, you could certainly say, um, I'm going to stay in here for a minute and then I'm going to go and uh, put the garbage out, you know, so and then but I'm going to come back. So you need to stay in bed. So you, you use an excuse to leave the room and you always come back. And I would start it off with like staying out of the room for, say, 30 seconds, you know, very short period of time because we want to build up her trust. So we don't want her coming out and following you. If she does, you take her back and you say, no, I need to go and do this thing, but I will be back in a minute to check on you, okay? And so you keep doing that. You build up, you stay out for a very short period of time on night one, 30 seconds, come back in, praise, great, good girl for staying in bed. I'm going to sit here for a minute, but then I need to go and take my shoes off, you know, so out you go, but I'm going to come back. Okay, so you stay in bed, so you out you go for 30 seconds. You're going to have to come up with a whole lot of excuses for leaving the room. That's the only hard part. <laughs> I need to go to the dual wheat. I need to go and, you know, chop the vegetables. I need to go and do this. So you do that and you always um, follow through. So you must do what you say you're going to do. I will come back. And like I say, for the first couple of nights, you keep it as very short. And then you might find that you can start to extend it, you know, and you can stay out three minutes. You can stay out for five minutes, but always come back. Even if you think she's asleep, just pop your head back in, you know, in case because they can be a bit hypervigilant, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting. Is she coming back? And that's what can stop them from falling asleep. But if they don't have that anxiety around that, they often will just drop off to sleep. Mm -hmm. So change the routine. Uh, make sure she falls, she's falling asleep without you in the room. Okay, that can help. Um, and try to just, I think, restrict her day naps a little bit so that she's um, more tired more quickly. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, we've got time for one last question. This comes from Danielle. She says, hi, ladies, I need advice on my son's sleep pattern. He's eight months on Wednesday. For the past month and a half, he has been waking consistently between 4.30 and 5.30 a.m. Happy, singing, ready to start the day, when he previously was waking between 6.30 and 7. If we leave him to try and settle, he gets increasingly upset. His bedtime has been 6.30 to 7.30 p.m., based off the end of his last nap, and we follow a dinner, solids, bath, milk, bed routine. If we push his bedtime later, he will still have an early waking. He does not do consistent sleep lengths. The longest he has slept for overnight is 11 and a half hours. He's breastfed every three to four hours during the day and loves his solid food, eating three meals a day. His awake times are around two and three quarters hours. Since six months, he's been having more consistent day sleeps, ranging from around 60 to 90 minutes in the morning, 60 to 90 minutes over lunch, and a bridging nap of 20 to 40 minutes in the evening. We treat every early morning waking prior to 6am as a night waking and follow a responsive settling technique of patting and shushing until calm. He will sometimes fall back asleep after an hour or more of settling, but we will usually attempt until 6am and then get him up for the day. I try not to feed him after 4am in an attempt to reduce reinforcing early uh, yeah, in an attempt to reduce or reinforce early waking. However, if he wakes between 12 to 4 a.m., I will feed him on demand. Normally, he will only feed once at night now, if at all. Is there anything I can change to get him sleeping later in the mornings? Yeah, so it sounds to me that he might be getting a bit too much sleep in the day. So I would cut him back to two naps a day. So I would maybe keep him up for a bit longer. So first nap of the day, first one, first wake period, two hours. So if he's awake at six, 
you know, back down at eight. Uh, and then I would try to encourage him to sleep for like an hour to an hour and a half. Next wake period, two and a half hours, okay, and then up until bedtime um, after the second nap. So two naps a day. Um, try to have him asleep, uh, the last one of the day, maybe no more than three to three and a half hours awake. Um, asleep by sort of 6.37 if you can and overnight I would sort of uh, try not to feed unless it was around 4 o'clock in the morning, 3.34, 4.30, okay. Um, but if you feel like he doesn't need it, at eight months, you know, he's on solids, you know, sounds like he's a decent weight. So if he's over eight kilos, he's eight months old and he's having three meals a day, he shouldn't really need that early morning feed but it could help. But I would push it out to sort of like 3 to 4 a.m. in the morning. Closer to 4 would be ideal. Um, otherwise, just resettle, pat and shush. Sounds like you're doing exactly the right thing. But don't feed at the end of a long period of patting and shushing, getting back to sleep. And if he wakes sort of an hour later, then feed sort of thing. Um, uh, yeah, they're the things I would do. And Brilliant. hopefully that would help. Yeah. Well, Joe, that's all we had time for today. Thank you so much for coming on and answering all those questions. And if you didn't get a chance to ask your question today, but you would like to have on a one-on-one -on -one consultation, that is one that's tailored to your specific needs, you can book Joe through the Babyology Sleep School, and we'll put links on this Facebook Live and also in the podcast show notes on where you can uh, make an appointment with Joe if you would like more time with her. Chris Minogue is in the chair next week on Helpline, so join us live for that on Monday at 11.30am Eastern Standard Time or catch up on all of the advice through our podcast. You can give us your questions live or via Helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Thanks for all your questions and see you next week. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time. Bye.